Canadian, one of us American, serve you cutting edge mental health knowledge. I'm Dr. Ryan Howes, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. And I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from the Vancouver, Canada area. And I'm Joanna Boyd, also a registered clinical counselor from the greater Vancouver area. I always get caught up on that. Anyways, yeah. And I'm Chris Boyd, psychotherapist for the Vancouver area. And Joanna's brother. Hooray. Well done. Hooray. Uh, we've been doing this for many episodes now. We have. Um, is, there, is there an actual difference between a res- registered clinical counselor and a psychotherapist as far as Canada is concerned? Is that like an official designation or how would you guys describe that? That's a hot mess question. Well, I think registered clinical counselors actually are association, but we we're all psychotherapists, right? So um, it's more of a general term, but more of an American term, actually. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. in BC, there none of those terms are protected. Oh, protected other, meaning psychologist like, is psychologist is a protected term. So only if you're a registered psychologist may you use the term psychologist. So I can say I have a doctorate in psychology, but I cannot call myself a psychologist because I'm not registered with the college. So it's protected. It, it isn't, uh, uh, but isn't a psychotherapist. Oh, go ahead, Brooke, sorry. But a counselor, a psychotherapist, therapist, counselor. all of those terms are, yeah, they're not protected. So what you're saying is anyone can call themselves any of those terms, regardless of their schooling, training, licensure, whatever, they could just put it out there and say, I'm a counselor, I'm a psychotherapist. Yeah, I I thought- We're trying um, to uh, change that. There's like a group trying to lobby the provincial government to get that figured out. So in other provinces in Canada, they are, uh, they have a college and it is a protected term. But I think the term varies across the the country. I think some provinces it is psychotherapist is protected. Even by the way, another little difference, USA, Canada, what you guys are calling your college, you know, we just think of colleges as like a school of higher education, but your college is actually like a board or an association, right? Yes. That, per- that gives you your license, mm-hmm. the governing body. Yes. Yeah. 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 We also call a college called like that's also a university or like a post-secondary. It's either university sure. or college. So we have that too. So. Okay. That just confuses things more. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a difference between a college and a university. Yes. When we're talking academics. Which is what for you guys? So a uh, college is more uh, community-based. Okay. Typically, like smaller class sizes, like you're probably looking at averaging 30 or 40 students per class. Some of the big lecture halls, you might have like 100 or 150. Um, and they're, yeah, spattered throughout the communities and they still need to have accreditation and, and those sorts of things. Yeah. Are they two years or four or either? Uh, depending program. on the program, summer two and summer four. And then a university is a major institution. Uh, typically, faculty is doing research there. And your class sizes for first year, second year, if you're doing a big lecture theater, you're looking at 300 students per class. So okay. much bigger. Um, yeah, but definitely the faculty... And then they can offer more programs. So colleges can't offer masters or doctorates. Colleges uh-huh. can really only do undergraduate degrees or other degrees or certificates. Universities can do masters or doctorates. Um, so there's more persons with doctorates working in university as faculty. Yeah, very different. Yes, I don't think it. Well, uh, here I am. I've, I've worked as an adjunct in academia for many decades, and uh, I don't know exactly what all the distinctions are here. I know that we have what we call community colleges or junior colleges, which are usually two-year programs that uh, give you an associate's degree, an AA, and then there are four-year universities or colleges. And what I've understood is that typically a college is is a higher as a four-year institution or a regular college, not a community college or junior college, four-year college is one that gives out bachelor's degrees, but not necessarily 
master's degrees or doctorate degrees. Although there are some colleges here that give out like a master's in teaching or master's education, something like that. Uh, and they just maybe haven't changed the name yet because it's been traditionally a college for so long. And then universities tend to give out, you know, more master's and, and doctorate degrees. But anyway, if anyone knows more about that, you can inform us, write us at info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Yes. Yes. Well, there we are. Also, back to the degree thing. Also here in the States, psychologist is a protected term and the other ones are not. So so yes, people do have to kind of pay attention. Um, someone says I'm a counselor. You know, is there a license behind that? Is there training behind that? Because the, there might not be. And uh, so I think a lot of people in the public. And again, I don't think that we do uh, the general public many favors with all the different degrees that we have and all the different, you know, uh, programs. And then specifically to uh, to psychotherapy, all the different forms of psychotherapy we have. It's almost like someone has to have a, a degree in psychology just to know who to choose for your therapist. I agree. It's very complicated. Yeah. Kind of maddeningly, maddeningly so. So, so that's some of the problem. We'll talk sometime. We can talk more about other. We've talked about doing that before too. Like, what's a social worker? What's a marriage mm -hmm. and family therapist? Psychologist. Lots of things. There are a lot of those things. We could be the educators right here. Yeah. <laughs> oh show. Yes, we can. So tonight is book club night. Do you know that? Well I, I read yeah. it. I finished it. I finished the whole book. You Good did it. You. Way to go, Brooke. Yeah, this one uh, was much shorter than the first one. Very different. Very different from the first book. Yes, very different. Quite different. Um, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but we're excited to be doing this book club, which means there's no ambush tonight. We all know the book that we're going to talk about. And we're going to discuss it here and give our thoughts and ratings and critique and all of that right mm -hmm. okay you cool. bet and then by the end of the podcast tonight we're going to tell you what our next book club selection will be yeah. so hang in there mm -hmm. even if you didn't listen to this one you want to know what the next book is right mm -hmm. okay well without further ado let us introduce our book club like joanna are you gonna sing Oh, I think we're all waiting for it. Was that a saxophone? That was that was actually Kenny G on saxophone came and uh, lent his horn to our our little. No, he didn't really. But yeah. Oh, I was gonna say we just recorded it earlier today. Kenny and I. <laughs> Kenny. Oh yes, that was a, a rollicking good time. So that uh, that sets a nice tone for us to talk about the book, the gift. Oh. By Edith Eager, Egger. Edith Egger, I believe. Yes. Uh, so, shall we just dive in? Do we, oh, do we yeah. want to talk about so, it? Ryan, I think I want to know what you thought because a few weeks ago, prior to even our banter, you kind of let it slip that you definitely had some thoughts about this book, which makes me think you might be a little bit passionate about your comments. So I'm curious what you were going to say. You want, you want me to lead off with this? I really do. I'm so mm -hmm. curious because I think this is going to be a good one. I think there's going to be a mishmash of feedback on this. Okay. All right. Here, uh, now this is, this is kind of a delicate thing because 
I have all sorts of respect for Dr. Eager. Uh, if we listen to her story, we haven't re recapped her story, but this is this is a woman who grew up in uh, in Germany, Poland. I'm sorry, it's been a while since I read it, but she was in a she was a, a Jewish person in a, in a not concentration camp in, in Auschwitz. Auschwitz. Yeah. yeah, in Auschwitz. When she was 16. When she was 16 years old, she was there. She was there with her her parents. She saw so many people die. She was there with. Um, just went through horrific, horrific experiences in her life. And she was there right to the end until liberation. Until liberation, right. Um, she went on to become a psychologist. She worked with Viktor Frankl. She's done some incredible things. And now in her 80s and 90s, wrote these books, uh, The Gift and the... The Choice. Choice, right. So the, the Choice and the Gift. Yeah, so this is more autobiographical, right? That's my understanding. I, I purchased it, so I'm going to read it on uh, on my own, not for book club. But yeah, my understanding is autobiographical. So yes, uh, and I'm just a, a, an amazing woman, no doubt about it. I, I actually watched her TED talk. She has a TED talk uh, online uh, that she just gave last year, like six months ago during Whoa. the pandemic. Yeah. Well she was actually talking. It's, it was recorded. She wasn't, of course, live because it was in September. But uh, she uh, she gave a really nice talk about grief and about how how we are to grieve and we're to feel in order to heal. Really great messages there. Uh, so in no way are my comments uh, any knock on her life or her contributions to her patients or any of the world. So I want to clarify that. Um, and we also, again, there's objectively and subjectively yes. how you, I mean, there's so many different ways to actually assess or discuss a book, right? Like there's pros, there's cons and good disclaimer though. That's good disclaimer. Had to make a big disclaimer. Let's spend a couple of minutes disclaiming there. Right. And another disclaimer personally, as, as a guy who has read dozens of self-help books and, you know, works as a psychologist for a couple of decades, all of that, there's my kind of personal bit too. So all of that to say, I found nothing new here. I found nothing new, nothing really all that uh, captivating to me as a reader that was, uh, that was anything different from anything I've read before. So that's, that's my critique. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that necessarily. This is a good, maybe it's a good uh, place to, to find a lot of a lot of thoughts and a lot of uh, contributions from people in the fields, but um, there was there was a lot of a lot of stuff from Viktor Frankl, which of course we mentioned almost every podcast, you know, which is great. I love Viktor Frankl. Man's Search for Meaning is one of my favorites, and I, uh, but I've read that a few times, and there were uh, many different points from positive psychology that were that were helpful, um, but I've I've heard them all before too. So and subjectively, subjectively, I felt kind of like uh, this is I felt a little bored, sure. to tell you the truth. So what if this were um, like a client who hasn't really been through therapy or yeah. um, a, a general person who's not too familiar with psychology or these principles? So kind of just a bit more of a novice. Um, would you recommend this book to them? Do you think that that? that this would be a good way to open some doors towards some concepts or that they might learn some things? I think it may be a good starting point, sure. But I can also think of five other books that I would recommend before that as a starting point because I think they put it, they, they, they're better written and have uh, uh, maybe more comprehensive views of some things. So what do you mean by that, by better written and more comprehensive views? Like what, uh, what would you have liked to see more or less of? Uh, okay, so she does a great job of, of course, telling her own story, which is very captivating. And it makes me want to listen to the choice as well or read the choice as well, because I think that's really the most, uh, some of the most fascinating parts of this book are her telling her own story. Yeah. Uh, when and she we really just like snapshots, eh? Yeah, yeah. Like, they're like one little paragraph, like, and then cannibalism took over in the concentration camp. Right. Moving on to my next point. I'm like, okay, wait, can we like go like, that was kind of a bit of a bomb to drop. Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. So uh, 
and a lot of the things that she she brings in are like just kind of little platitudes that she um, kind of mentions, right? So uh, when talking about grieving, for example, she talked about grief and she said, you know, people oftentimes are, are saying, why me? You know, why me? Why am I going through all this hardship in my life? Why me? And she says, well, we got to just change that around to what now? You know, what now? What am I going to do now? Which is a nice, you know, not what, not why me, but what now? I love that idea. Mm-hmm. But that's, <laughs> that's just a matter of just kind of snap out of it, kind of buck up and face reality, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a lot of psychological sophistication to a statement like that, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll jump in there a bit. Um, I really like the book. Great. I'll tell you why. Um, I do agree. I, I think she captures a lot of ideas from uh, maybe other uh, theorists or uh, uh, psychiatrists, uh, psychologists like Viktor Frankl and and uh, Carl Rogers. And she kind of uh, names who her big influ- influencers were. Yeah. Um, one of my impressions when I was certain to read it was that she's very, very direct. And um, so she makes um, in, in, in psychotherapy and counseling, we often we're we got to be very careful about being direct with clients because there's so much subjectivity there. Um, so maybe a couple of her statements, I would kind of question that a bit, but I think it kind of worked because, uh, because of who is delivering it. So Edith Eager, um, you mentioned her story is compelling and that's absolutely true. Um, if I uh, wrote a book and rehashed all her ideas without sharing her story, it wouldn't be a very compelling read, right? But the fact it's her being that direct with her clients and tying in her story with it, I think it kind of works for the right person. So I think there are some clients out there that would actually find this very valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, imagine yeah. that sitting in a counseling office with Edith and she's telling you, hey, um, you got to look at yourself when it comes to um, dealing with this abuse or hey, you gotta, you gotta move forward. You, um, you gotta find a way to find meaning in the suffering, capturing some of the Viktor Frankl's work. Uh, that would be pretty impactful, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, it, I think it serves, you know, because it's her delivering it, because it's such an incredible story. Um, yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Chris, that at times it felt a little, uh like almost black and white, like this is how it goes. This is what you need to do. And like, that's that's what you need to do. There isn't yeah. another greater option. This is it. Like uh, very, so very directive and kind of yes. like that way, um, which I was a little bit surprised and shocked uh, is especially, but again, given the context, when was this written, Ryan? Did you... Maybe I should go get my, I have a hard copy. It's at the age of 90. So probably a couple of years ago. So fairly recently. It is a more recent book. Cause I'm just, yeah, based on all the like trauma informed work that's happening out there um, and the trauma resources and, uh, but yeah, I, I appreciate her messaging. I thought she could, did a good job at like interweaving storytelling with the content that she wanted to cover. So the principles but I, I also echo Ryan that I feel like each of these chapters could have had another 20, 30 pages breaking down more that the concept or like a bit more meat behind what she was saying. Yeah. Opposed yeah. to it being a story and then like this one nugget of like, here's how you need to change it. Mm-hmm. I did like that at the end of each chapter, she has, um, for those who haven't read it, she has three activities that you could do to break that like that habit that she's talking about oh joanna just so september of 2020 quite recently is when this book was written really yeah yeah Yeah, it's not it's not research heavy very different from the last book we read um she doesn't talk about um a lot of the research behind it she just kind of jumps right in there and then kind of a pointed direct way and very lived experience and reflection of other clients um I'm also a sucker for a good trauma story. Mm. Those are like, 
that just want to read all the trauma stories. So the fact that this is a trauma survivor writing about other people's trauma stories sure. in her chapters, um, like I flew through it and in a good way, not like in a ho-hum way. Like I wanted to pick it up. I wanted to read it. It was engaging for me. Sure, yeah. all the principles were quite similar, but it's always good to hear how other people are presenting the principles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was real, it was raw, and I liked how she was pretty forthcoming in terms of her challenges, dealing with what she went through, and she kind of kept it in and didn't want to address it. So I think there are some powerful messages there, the importance of catharsis and, 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 and getting it out and um, connection and, and moving forward and, again, find that meaning and purpose. Um, but I really want to know what Joanna thinks. Well, I'll tell you. Um... Yeah, I, I'm kind of on the, the, the boat of liking it. Um, I don't know, I think it was, well, I don't know if it was the listener or reading to it a little bit faster than usual, but it was very like, <laughs> yeah, just very direct or almost very like in your, like, I don't know, Chris, you read it faster too, but I was like, is this how it sounds a bit slower or is it really just, yeah, very direct, very kind of just, um, I don't know. I, it surprised me a little bit sometimes with some of the things, how straightforward they would be said. Um, I liked how it pulled in her own experience. I like how it pulled from clients' experiences, very trauma-heavy stuff. Um, and I liked how each chapter ended with some things that you can do at home based on what the chapter was about. Um, very simple things that you can do depending on the chapter, um, what was being taught. And I liked that. So is it, does it encompass everything about that topic? No, um, but it's one woman's perspective and, and she's been through a lot and she's heard some stories and helped a lot of people. So it's gonna be her approach in terms of finding meaning in a lot of different things. Because um, even with the grief part there, you know, she did have parts about what I like to tell people is like, you know, time doesn't heal all. Time is only healing if you take the time to heal type thing or and kind of sitting with your grief and acknowledging or even about like uh, feeling guilty about something. There's a difference between guilt and remorse. And I just thought there's a lot of little good tidbits in there about, um, yeah, food for thought. And even me, who's a lot of these things are familiar. I was like, yeah, I like how she worded that or even her directness with clients, which is not an approach I take. I'm like, huh, that was very directive, not something I would do, but look at the outcome or maybe some people benefit from that stuff and or maybe even hearing it will make them think about stuff themselves so I thought overall sure it yeah I think things could have been explained a bit more but for it packed a punch whether or not it was a good punch for you know I think mm-hmm. there'll be some helpful tidbits but it was very yeah punchy this is very direct this is what you got to do um yeah not yeah. necessarily my style but it's uh I think yeah. it had some yeah for someone who's never heard about that stuff before I think new ears I think um I would just say they could probably find some stuff but also check out other books as well to get a better better idea or a broader idea of how to approach some of those topics yeah, yeah I think her um her purpose of each chapter really came through like she didn't overcomplicate it it was like here's a story and here are the things that I want to say, like the one or two things yeah. opposed to, so the opposite of Jay Shetty, where it was 10,000 things. It was mm-hmm. like, here is one thing, short and simple, boom. And now we move forward. And now it's the next piece. Like, it, yeah, it was sharp that way. But yeah. I feel approachable for someone who, I wonder too, like now that I'm talking out loud about it. So if somebody has been through trauma and we're kind of in that trauma brain where it's, sometimes you're a bit scrambled. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this book maybe would be helpful for that reason, because it's just to the point, yeah. purposeful. It's almost uh, simplifying it a bit. Yeah, yeah. which makes it uh, digestible for someone who might have experienced trauma, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think definitely the right book for the right person. It's not one that I would recommend to all my clients. There's definitely other self-help books that would be great for that. But yeah, if you're someone who... I think those stories would really resonate with, uh, with certain clients that we meet, certain folks that we meet, right? I think if you are someone who's prone, sensitive to shame and blame, I think you're going to have a hard time with this book, especially yeah. the audio b- version uh, of the book, because uh, um, the, the the narrator for the audiobook 
comes across as a pretty stern sort of i don't know i mean i guess this is my my subjective experience it's kind of like the you ought to do this you know there's something like uh, you're doing something wrong and let me fix it for you and uh you know if you've got any sort of uh sensitivity to that i think at least maybe just read it instead of listen to it because i think uh kind of trigger some of that stuff. I think that was a little bit in the book too. Um, there were parts that came across like a finger wag. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, I also noticed through reading the book, something did irk me, which oh. was when, like, I understand that we want it to be her voice, her, the author's voice, the author's narrative, mm -hmm. and we want that to shine through. But I found the little snippets where she would like, it was a quote of something she said, and she would start with the word honey, honey, da, 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 with her piece of advice. I like, it irked me. So that probably says more about me than it says about her, but uh, like, it would be fine. Like reading it, it almost didn't fit with the author's voice to me, even though I know that's probably her voice. That's probably how she speaks to clients. But then the rest of the book didn't, have that jargon or that slang in it. And it kind of threw me off sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. I can't even remember. Yeah. I guess I missed the, 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 the honey's audible one. Yeah. Because <laughs> was it very right, Ryan. yeah, just that this author or this, the narrator is just very, yeah. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. You said this stern, I guess, or I don't know. Yeah. Very a little dramatic, very dramatic yeah. or very just, you're like, Oh, like, Whoa, like, I don't know. Very like teacherly years. Yeah, disciplinary a little bit, but oh, yeah, it's it's yeah. I, I always caution people like some of her ideas. Again, there's underlying messages that I think she's trying to get across, and some of her examples shouldn't be taken literally. Like she's sometimes hits on some heavy topics. Like she introduces very oh, quickly a situation, for instance, with a narcissistic cheating husband, and uh, she suggests that the wife needs to look at her fear and what you know do some work herself because she was having a hard time dealing with it, right? Um, so yeah, she said, yeah, every situation has to be, yeah, yeah, every situation has to be approached, um, every situation or like in a unique way and there's factors that are unique to that experience. So, um, but mm -hmm. again, the underlying principles I thought were, I think she did a decent job of conveying those. Like you gotta, you gotta choose your attitude. Um, don't take on other people's stuff, you know? Um, you got to find a way to to navigate through these difficulties and kind of recreate your life. And uh, I liked how perfectly imperfect um, she was. Like uh, some stories of her being very stubborn, almost to the point of causing herself quite a bit of harm, right? So I think she was kind of open, genuine about uh, her difficulties and challenges and her mistakes too. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think there's a lot, there's a lot here. Um, but hey, I don't mind being the dissenting voice and saying, I'm not reading it again. I might read her other book. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. 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 yeah I would I still absolutely want to read the choice. Yeah. Um, and see what that's about. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. The the very confident or her her thing that she says or to come across just so straightforward. Um, that I wonder what it'd be like to hear that actually in her counseling room or to just, so matter of fact, right? Nope, this is what you got to do. And um, who knows how she actually approaches it. But um, yeah, I would just, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by it, but it, it might yeah. not be everyone's style. Mm -hmm. so no, but lack of a, a better, like she didn't bring up this phrase or concept in her book, but I think that's uh, is kind of what she was getting at, but a sense of radical acceptance towards mm. your your past and your current totally. situation so uh, radical acceptance for listeners is like accepting the situation for what it is and sometimes that means it's shitty like it's awful it's bad you don't, might not feel good uh, but this is the, these are the cards that were dealt this is what you're facing and being able to like radically accept that and trying to move forward from it opposed to dwelling or being stuck in it yeah. And also like feeling bad for the people who are causing harm. Uh, a couple of common themes there from the previous book we read in terms of uh, hatred and racism. But even like uh, she actually danced for the angel of death 
Mengel. Uh, I forget how you can, uh, pronounce his last name. But uh, towards the end, yeah. she said, I actually felt sorry for him because I, I was free. I could choose the thoughts that are in my mind. Um, where for him, he's probably, there's a lot going on there, a lot of trauma. And um, so just that, that level of um, compassion, I thought was uh, pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. And being able to put distance, right, between yourself and what's happening to know it's not, it's not about you. Yeah. Oddly enough, the things that are happening in those moments that are traumatizing aren't actually about you. It's unfortunately about them and whatever's happened there and putting that distance, right? Yeah. Like, don't, don't take that on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting stuff. What did you think of uh, how she talked about just the extreme catharsis, like getting it out, yelling, screaming. Yeah. She talks about uh, going into your car and, and yeah, yells and screams at clients sometimes. Yeah. That's right. Yes. And, and, and with clients, right? With clients. With, with clients. Yes. So they'll both kind of do the catharsis thing in her office sometimes, or she talks about doing that in your car, or wherever, letting it out. Yeah. So the anger dealing, there's a lot of anger that she dealt with after, right? And again, she wouldn't talk about it. She neglected it. It came out in pretty extreme ways. So definitely quit so, the journey that she was on. She says you have to heal in order to feel. No, feel is in order to heal, right? So whether whatever those feelings are, whether it's sadness and tears or anger, mm -hmm. you got to get in touch with all that stuff and let it out in order to uh, to be able to heal it. You know, A lot of people try to go a very cognitive route towards healing and just moving past and brushing something aside. But she's a big proponent of uh, getting in touch with those feelings, mm -hmm. even in her office. Yeah. You must have good soundproofing. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't have work in our offices. Oh man, nope. <laughs> we, Chris, Brooke, and I, for listeners, work in the same office, and yeah, just yep, that would not work. That'd be pretty well these days. There's not many of us in there, but yeah, but our like, it's not tightly soundproofed. Like no. you can hear muffling but not what people are saying yeah so if somebody were screaming you would be able to probably hear that yeah so i got a quote here she said i can't say that everything happens for a reason but i can say that pain hardship and suffering are the gifts that help us grow and learn and become who we are meant to be so very kind of victor frankel-esque very existential um another thing I, I took note of was i liked how she she talked about um writing if you're uh, upset with someone and, and trying to forgive then write them a letter and of course mm -hmm. that is nothing new but the second letter i thought was kind of interesting so write a second letter and this is of course this letter you don't have to send the person but thanking them um being grateful for what you've learned about yourself since um or the, the again the gifts um that come from that hardship right mm -hmm. so again a lot of appreciation and gratitude Mm -hmm. ultimately growth and that would be very very hard for a lot of people to do oh, yeah. definitely like not staying in it right like not letting it perpetuate out and staying in well, i think she called it yeah. victimhood or being a victim to, depending on the situation but yeah just choosing to yeah move forward and not let that control your moving forward but yes yeah, said and done but yeah but sharing kind of a a popular idea about forgiveness and and the letting go and if you're angry and holding a grudge then that's really only hurting you mm -hmm. and uh i don't know if she mentioned it in the book or in the ted talk but she talked about how you know she didn't want to continue to to be angry with hitler because she didn't want to give him that gift of kind of holding her under control uh even past his death you know like so she she let go of her anger even there because she felt like uh, she didn't want to keep suffering from crimes that he committed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she refers to this as these mental prisons, right? Yeah. They kind of include, um, I think it's 12 of them, but avoidance, rigidity, uh, chronic anger, and irritation, um, fear, hopelessness. So she kind of delves into each one and gives a few examples and is very direct in terms of how to... Uh, you know, manage that, how to deal with it. Yeah. Another nugget, and one of the nuggets I did appreciate or how she phrased it was about resistance. 
and how when you feel someone's being resistant, really that's because they're not doing what you want them to do. Like it's actually a control issue for you. It's not that they're being resistant. Resistant is that you're feeling controlling and they're not doing what you want. Mm. I think that was that was her in there somewhere. But yeah, I kind of mm. liked how she said that. Like in how many times as therapists were like, this client's really resistant. I'm like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah, yeah true. That's or even, yeah, the idea that we all like, grief is just everyday living like our expectations of the world not meeting and like there's the when things don't go our way we might there's grief to in subtle ways right or if uh, conversations or certain relationships or i don't know yeah. it's just more of a widespread concept than i've really ever considered it well um, joe she said uh, all therapy is grief work there you go yeah therapy. thank you yeah. yeah she really focused on grief mm-hmm. expanded on the concept of grief you know, I'm reflecting on this talk here, uh, this discussion. You guys are raising all these great points that she made, and and I'm I'm agreeing with them and recalling all of these. And I'm thinking, I think I was I was so put off by the delivery that it, it made it hard for me to hear all these great points. Maybe you know, you know, process and con- process versus contents. I mean, the process is so uh, abrasive and uh, directive and like I said, blaming and shaming it, it was hard for me to take in maybe some of these uh, really good concepts she had. Well, I think it's also, uh, yeah, it could be like the three of you this round, three of you did the audio. I was the only one that read it. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if that's a big piece of this for me. I didn't mm-hmm. hear the tone. Who who uh, narrated the audiobook? It wasn't her. No, no. it wasn't her. There's a lady named... Tova Felcher? Oh yeah, Tova. Mm. No, I'm joking. I've never. I don't oh. know who that is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who it is. I didn't mean that. Right, right. Um, yeah, one other nugget I just wanted to say was just about the the guilt versus remorse thing. I think I hear from clients so much about feeling guilty for things and taking on that, you know, ownership or I did something wrong, whereas. Instead, she says, you can be remorseful for how something turned out or how your actions impacted someone or maybe what you could have done. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's different. Like, you know, make peace with those things that you feel remorseful, but the guilt is something else completely different. And I just, I don't know, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and even the what ifs that plague people, especially. Um, and it's just, just almost consider it as, um, if I knew the information I did know back then, maybe I would have done something different, but almost, yeah, not staying in that what if place. I thought it was, she had some good little food yeah. thoughts. Mm-hmm. She actually said it was easier for her mental wellness or mental health to pray for the Nazis and turn her hatred into pity, which is kind of crazy. So she had to make these mental shifts when she was there mm. and talk about um, kind of guided imagery as well. Uh, picturing her, she said that so many things are happening within their mind. So many positive things are happening that help them get through those moments, right? Thinking of loved ones, um, for instance, or uh, moments that they shared together mm-hmm. uh, just to, to get through the day. Mm-hmm. Or visualizing um, her boyfriend at the time and like having a, a picnic together. And yeah, um, yeah so just kind of daydreaming or fantasizing about positive things or moments. So that she could escape that moment, right? Like, so, I mean, yeah, zoning out, dissociation, daydreaming, it was all very helpful and needed for her in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. A very powerful one, too, was right at the end um, regarding, you know, a choice, but it was about the cannibalism that broke out in the concentration camp. And as she was lying on a body of corpses, delusional from hunger um and cannibalism was breaking out and she really didn't want to have to eat human flesh she said there was a little voice inside her head that said you can eat the grass yeah yeah pick your blade (laughs) pick your blade you can eat the grass and in that moment being able to like there is still something in your control Mm. yeah when you feel like there's absolutely nothing left in your control there is there is something yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, 
she also leaves leaves us with something to ponder too but uh, i'm not sure how far far in it was but um there's a little bit of nazi nazi in all of us meaning that there can be some hatred and fear that is nurtured by those around us so she a big proponent and again it's not necessarily a new idea that you're not born hating you don't or you don't you're not born with hatred and fear you learn that from those around you and uh and she talked a lot about how it's so important to to talk about what happened to her and, and talk to 1.1 million jewish people that that died mm. because if you don't then history can repeat itself right so she said that she was uh talking to i think it was a uh, the lecture hall of college students and she asked uh who's heard of Auschwitz and only four or five people put their hands up right so that kind of scared her a bit that blew my um, mind so the extremism she said the extremism you got to be you got to be careful you got to have dialogue and we got to remember the atrocities that happened yeah and uh, about on that note I think like in regards to Auschwitz and everything that happened there like um just genocide and Yes, all of that we need to remember. We also need to remember what has happened to other minority groups and how they have been treated, Black communities um, up in Canada recently, the Indigenous folks. So we had residential schools up here. Um, so um, Indigenous children were taken from their families and forced to go into a school and all of their heritage was stripped from them. So they were tattooed with numbers, I think, as well, I'm pretty sure. And uh, their names were changed and it was run by the, the churches. Yeah, they shaved their heads, made them wear uniforms. And so recently at one of the schools that had closed down just this past week, they found an unmarked grave, a mass grave with 215 uh -huh. bodies. Um, so this week has been like a bit of a week of mourning for for people up here and um, awareness and education and but there's a huge history there that we really haven't even scratched the surface I don't think for Canada and our black community as well it's not oh, there yeah. isn't a lot of black history or indigenous history that's shared about what's happened with those people so um, Ryan a few many maybe podcasts ago you mentioned like shame and one of the best ways to fight shame is to put a light on it. Mm -hmm. Bring it into the light. Yeah. So you have to bring it into the light. And I, I think we need to do that with, yeah. we have to own up to our histories and we have to put a light on it. Agreed. So. Agreed. That's certainly as, as you know, as well, we talking about this, that that's certainly a lot of what's, what's been happening in the States since, well, really since a year ago, last, last June was when, uh, a lot of the protests were going on and people were marching and trying to make it clear that uh, people of color are not, not to be treated uh, differently. And they have been, and let's, let's pay attention to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very important messages. Yeah. Yeah. Lots, lots of, uh, lots of hatred for sure. Mm -hmm. so trying to uh, create some dialogue and you know in our last book talked about focusing on the individual not their views and maybe developing some rapport and, and trying to shift some of that systematic hate so yes. ratings for this book what i was wondering uh okay I, I went first before you guys go. Your rating. My rating. I think I would give it a six. Mm -hmm. Maybe a five. Five point five. Five point <laughs> seven five. Somewhere in there. Like I, because I'm also trying to think. Like okay, in the scheme of things, if I were to plunk this in books of other books, I think that it was in summary, it's an approachable book. You can pick it up and read it. Is Going, it's probably going to keep your attention, but it is quite direct, which might turn some people off. And there isn't a lot of uh, breadth behind the principles that she's providing, but there are nuggets that you take away. So I think it's a good starter book, but I don't think it's like mind-blowing great. 
So it kept me engaged. I wanted to read it. Lots of good nuggets, but yeah, still. Yeah. So like an average to slightly better than average book for self-help. Nicely put, Brooke. Ebo. Me? Mm -hmm. um, I would go higher, 7.8. Um, Whoa! I think uh, it's, what I like about it is there's so many self-help books out there that kind of rehash the same same kind of stuff over and over and over again. So maybe she does as well. She introduces these principles, but my goodness, this is Edith Eager. And uh, as the book rolled on, um, I felt it kind of worked. So again, right book for the right person. I wouldn't uh, suggest it for everybody, but I think it could be very, very impactful for that person. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a great little nuggets information in there um, and uh, a profound, profound, uh, kind of uh, some profound takeaways that uh, again, we get to pick our thoughts. We can pick our attitudes. Um, she felt that the Nazis were actually more in prison than she was. She found a way to survive that. And if she can survive that, if she can rise from the ashes like a Phoenix, I think she actually said this, then maybe so, so can we. So I think uh, it's, it's powerful stuff, very, very powerful stuff. And it was an honor to read it and um, yeah, if the right person, client comes comes around, I'd definitely uh, recommend that. Nice. Um, yeah, my first number that came to mind for me was a seven. Um, I think that it's pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, very succinct. Uh, it, yeah, very direct about different things, but she has her own uh, history. She brings up uh, client cases. Um, and she ends with some different tips and things. So I think it's, if it's, it's either going to really work for someone or not. And I just thought it had everything in it. So I thought it was good. Very nice. I will give it a, I'm going to split the score here. I'm going to give it a six for content for the, the, the information that was actually in there. I will, you guys reminded me of it. I guess I, I read it a few weeks ago. So uh, now that you're reminded of these things, I think there's some good content in there, good principles. I'm down with that, but I'm going to give it a three for delivery because I think it's a, uh, the way that it's delivered is, is, uh, I think, again, I think it will appeal to some people who want to be, who want or need to be kind of smacked in the face. But, uh, I think for people, particularly trauma survivors, this is going to be a tough swallow. So that's where I come. So the average score is four? Four and a half. Four and a half? Yeah. Is yes. We're all right. over the map with this one. We are. That's good. <laughs> that is good. A little bit of variety, you know? It's no fun yeah. if we're all of agreement all the time, right? I, I agree. Yeah. Well, who we none of us know what to expect with this next book. We really don't. We don't have a clue. Maybe some listeners will have read it, maybe not, but we're going to we're going to read it and we'll tell you what we think of it in 5 weeks or whatever that is. And it is Nassine Nicholas Taleb and the book is Black Swan. Right? Indeed. Give a little blurb about it. Oh, I'll have to find the blurb again. Um, just to give some kind of context. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't have Googled it because the movie came up, which I really enjoy the movie. But this is not. This movie. is not related to the movie. It's not the movie. No. Okay. I don't know if anyone else is looking it up. No, just waiting for you. Oh, great. A black swan is a highly improbable event with three principal characteristics. It is unpredictable, it carries a massive impact, and after the fact, we concoct an explanation that makes it appear less random and more predictable than it was. The astonishing success of Google was a black swan. So was 9-11. For Taleb, black swans underlie almost everything about our world, 
from the rise of religions to events in our own personal lives. Why do we not acknowledge the phenomenon of, of black swans until after they occur? Part of the answer is that humans are hardwired to learn specifics when they should be focused on generalities. We focus on things we already know and time and time again, fail to take into consideration what we don't know. So that we're truly, we're unable to truly estimate opportunities and we're too vulnerable to impulse to simplify and narrate and categorize. Anyway, that's a bit of it. So, so this is this idea of, of how we really process things Mm -hmm. cognitively you know yeah some hindsight biased in there like I knew it all along right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when I look back oh I would have seen the signs or of course that like I'm assuming that's a little bit of what it was right like kind of trying to make sense of these things that are probably yeah. don't have much sense to them yeah the first time I heard about this this bookstore that was selling books online I was like eh, uh, maybe they're gonna I like going to the bookstore. I worked at a bookstore at the time, I think. So, no, it's a little earlier than that. But uh, yeah, this bookstore, they're selling books online. Yeah, that's Amazon. So that, uh, that crazy little idea became something a lot bigger than we thought, mm -hmm. as did Google and a lot of other things. So uh, I'll be interested to see how that relates to, to our personal lives and how we might be not seeing the forest for the trees. So kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely curious. Yes. Yeah. Well, which one of us will be the uh, the one who doesn't like it this time? Hmm. I can't predict. Oh, <laughs> show up. Signing up. I was like, sure. Don't worry. <laughs> think so. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So sounds interesting. Yeah, so we'll order it and read it or download it or whatever we're going to do, and we'll dive into that book next. Perfect. Perfect. Well, all right, you guys, that's it for tonight. This was uh, a lot of fun. We'll fun close to, that book. We will close that book for now, but uh, we'll be back, right? And so... Please like and subscribe on Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. Send your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Tell a friend or two. And or three. Or three. And pick up uh, Black Swan. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.